Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Now we have a special treat for sharing the Word of God with us this morning. Todd, would you come on up? We have Todd Casenza with us from Hope Church. And Hope is part of this family of churches that Mercy Hill is part of. And Todd was part of the launch of this congregation as one of the pastors over at Living Word Church in Lansing when Mercy Hill started eight and a half years ago. Now, Todd and Susan and his family have been pretty occupied for the last five years since starting Hope Church over in Griffith. They meet in the YMCA in Griffith, and Todd's graciously agreed to come and share the word with us this morning. He's been praying for us. I know you're going to be blessed. Awesome. Thank you, John. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. I always forget something. What did you forget, John? It's like like my signature move. I always forget something. I was feeling really good about myself for not forgetting the offering. Um, And I had given, and Corey was going to recognize some of our graduates. And and I now, you've got momentum. I've interrupted it. Graduates are used to waiting, right? But I want to acknowledge that I blew it. All right. It's great being with you all. We'll see you next time. Seriously, do you want to take the offering now and do the graduates? I did the offering. You already did the offering. Okay, do you want to do graduates? You're, you're good. I did. It'll come. Thank you. All right. Okay. Feel free to interrupt me again if you need to. I'm okay. <laughs> Paul said, blessed are the flexible because they won't break. So I'm trying to be that. Yeah, well, I think he said that. So, all right, I'm going to try this again. Hey, it's great to be here at Mercy Hill this morning. How are you guys? Love seeing you all, and um, yeah, seeing some longtime friends we haven't talked to in a long time, and uh, some new faces, a lot of new faces as well, and uh, just want to send some greeting from Hope Church, uh, our home church in Griffith, and um, as John said, we planted, actually we just celebrated our fifth anniversary, so we've been going for five years, amen. Just want to ask you all to pray for us, because we've been meeting at the YMCA in downtown Griffith. And we're actually outgrowing it, and we need to stretch our wings and our arms a little bit. So pray for us that God would lead us. And um, we were teasing Johnny because it just seemed like this building fell right into his lap. And uh, I'm jealous for that. I'm like, God, let it come. Here's my lap right here. Big target, you know, (laughs) just church building. (laughs) So we'll see how God does it. But we're really excited. And um, we love you guys. We have been praying for you because we know that you've been going through quite a bit of transition, but we see the grace of God on you and so many good things are happening here. And uh, just know that we're for you and we love you. And we feel like we're a part of this family as well. So you're not alone. We're standing with you guys. We're standing with you guys. And I was just thinking this morning how much we love Susan and I, the, uh, the people here, especially the leaders, particularly the leaders named John that you've got among you guys. I mean... <laughs> So appreciative. It, it, just like the, the Johns of the, the Bible, men who loved God deeply, who served him with their whole heart and just sacrificed everything to do it. You've got biblical Johns right here in this place. I'm so grateful. And John, Johnny, I just want to say, dude, we, we miss you in our little pastor circle. Guy, I mean, you added a lot to us and you're not really with us anymore because God's called you on to a new season. But just want to say we still love you. You're still a part of us. And uh, you need to come visit us once in a while. And uh, also for John Leitzel, John and Karen, just an amazing couple. I mean, they will say yes to any crazy thing that God will put in front of them. They're just a yes right away. And we appreciate you guys as well. So we're so excited to be here. Could I, um, could I just pray real quick? And uh, we'll open up God's Word. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment in time. Lord, thank you, first of all, for this house, this family of people that you've called together. God, I firmly believe that everybody who is here and is a part of this house is meant to be here and to be a part of this house. God, thank you that you're working, you're moving, you're reaching. Lord, this is a people reaching other people, not just here in Munster, and in the region here, but they're going well beyond that. They're going to the ends of the earth, and I I thank you for them all. 
God, thank you for the privilege that I have to be here this morning. Lord, I don't take it lightly. And uh, right now, God, I just want to get out of the way. Lord, because we need to hear from you this morning and not from me. So I just give myself to you this morning. I just want to bring a blessing to this family. And I know that you're with us today. So thank you for that. Thank you for this place. God, continue to increase it. Continue to grow it. Thank you for the thousands of kids they've got in the basement right now. God, thank you. Thank you for just the, the grace and the mercy that we see here. Thank you for all this. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, I just want to share a little personal testimony with you guys uh, right here at the beginning. So something happened for me and my wife about, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. We actually bought a car, something that we don't do very often. And uh, we had a Subaru for how long had it been, honey? Eight years, something like that. Quite a long time. And it was dying fast. We bought it used and we just abused it. How many people abuse your cars? Just come on, get honest with it. Good for you. You're in good company this morning. So don't be ashamed of that. So we did. We just abused it. I mean, the kids tore it up in the back. We tore it up in the front and the engine was falling apart. So we, we just decided we didn't want to put any more money into it because it really required thousands of dollars to get it running well and just to be a safe vehicle. So we did what everybody else does. We just hopped on the highway praying that this thing would not break down all the way to CarMax, and we found another less used car to buy. So we bought a car, and we bought a Hyundai Santa Fe, which is just a blessing to us. And so I took it to my mechanic, and he said, it's a great vehicle, but it needs a little bit of work. It's got 40,000 miles on it, and you need a couple of adjustments on it. So bring it back, let them fix it, because it's under warranty. So I brought it back and brought it to the service desk and told them about it. And the guy says, yep, no problem, Mr. Casenza. We're going to take care of you. He says, we're going to give you a loaner as well. And I'm like, oh, praise God, I love loaners, because it's going to take about a week to finish this. And he said, we're going to give you a Ford Explorer. And I said, fantastic. When I was single and I didn't have a lot of money, uh, somebody had given me a Ford Explorer that I could drive, so I just used that and I enjoyed it. I'd love to get back in a Ford Explorer again. And so I waited for a while. I was waiting at the curb. They drove it up. And it wasn't just a Ford Explorer. It was a 2018 Ford Explorer, 5,000 miles on it, Platinum Edition. I don't even know what that means, but it was Platinum Edition. It said it right on the side of the vehicle. Platinum Edition. So I got in. The guy gave me the key, and he walked away. And so I went to put the key in the ignition. There was no ignition. I didn't know what to do. But then I saw under the side, there was a button. It was a start button. So I pressed it. And guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing happened. So I'm pressing it. I'm pressing it. And I start moving levers and pressing all kinds of buttons and opening the door and just trying everything I could to get this car to start. And I was way too proud to go back in that building and ask this guy to come back out and show me how to start the car. Eventually, I figured it out. You got to put your foot on the brake, then hit the button at the same time. Boom, it starts up. So I learned something. Awesome. So I drove away, and uh, my wife and I just shared the car over the week. And I went really four days in the car before I actually started to figure out what all it had. Just driving it. I mean, I typically do a lot of calls when I'm driving and things, and uh, I, I'm not a big car guy. I've got a very old car that I drive just back and forth in my office. It's not a big deal to me. So about four days in, though, I started noticing some things. Not only did it have a keyless ignition, but uh, the side view mirrors, when you turn the car off, the side view mirrors come in so no one will hit them. Then when you start the car, the mirrors go out again. It took me four days to realize that. <laughs> it was awesome. A day later, my wife calls me. We had it parked in our drive. She's like, come here, look at this. And uh, you know, in our, our, our car that's got 40,000 miles on it, it's got third row seats in it, which we needed, thank the Lord. But you have to pull them up manually, and you got to put them down manually. She's like, press this button. So I pressed the button in the back. The seats went like this. Press the button again. I'm like, honey, this is awesome. It's automatic seats. That's fantastic. This car had everything. And then uh, I found things like, you know, it had serious radio, like satellite radio and all that, which is awesome as well. But um, we were parked in a parking lot somewhere, and the whole family was in the car. We were waiting on someone, 
And my wife was just playing with the touch console in the front there, you know, just hitting different buttons. And there's this one button that says massage. She touches the button, and all of a sudden, the seats started massaging our backs. I'm serious. I am not lying. The seats in this Platinum Edition 2018 Ford Explorer were massage seats. And so we're literally sitting there going, oh, I know what car Jesus drives. So a couple days later, the week was over, and uh, the service department calls me. They're like, Mr. Casenza, your car is ready. Please bring back the loaner. You're ready to go. Honestly, this is what I said. I said, it's cool. I'm good the way I am. You keep it. <laughs> He's like, no, Mr. Casenza, you need to come back. Please give us our car. Take your car. I'm like, listen, this is the car Jesus drives, and I'm a pastor, and he wants me to have this. Mr. Casenza, if you don't come back, we're going to call the police. I'll be right there. So I literally went four days out of seven days not knowing all the awesome things that this vehicle had. It was only three out of the seven that I was actually exploring it, using it, and enjoying it. I was really kicking myself because it's very rare for me to have a vehicle like that, even for seven days. I should have explored it a little bit. And I want to I wanna ask you a question this morning. Listen to this. Do you know... Everything that you have, everything that has been offered to you and given to you in this awesome, powerful salvation that God has given to you. Do you know, do you understand all that God has given to you in this precious, powerful, merciful salvation that you own, that you have, that God has given to you that's in your life right now? And so I'm assuming that most of us are saved. If there's anybody here who does not know Jesus, I want to invite you to come to know Him. He can be your Lord and Savior, and then you're going to have the kind of mirrors that come in and go out and the seats that go up. Seriously, God has so much for us in our salvation. Let's open up the Word of God this morning, and uh, let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Are you with me here? Romans 5, 17. I love this verse. One of my favorite verses in the Word of God because it really summarizes, in some ways, the whole Bible. It starts at Genesis, and it goes all the way to the maps at the very end. It really encompasses nearly everything. Such a, a good verse. Such a good verse. Romans five seventeen, And it says this. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? So much in this verse, so powerful. It says that through the grace and righteousness that we have been given in our salvation, we are meant to reign in life through the one man, who gave us that salvation, Jesus. Everybody say reign in life. Reign in life. Oh, come on, say it again. Say reign in, life. reign in life. We are meant to reign in life through the one man, Jesus. We were meant to reign. And it's talking about the trespass of the one man at the very beginning of this verse, talking about what happened in the Garden of Eden. So here we go. We're, we're at the very beginning of the book, the Bible, and how God had given Adam and Eve the first couple, this beautiful place for them to live with, this beautiful garden. It was huge. It was so big. The Bible says that there were four enormous rivers just running through it, watering everything. I mean, it was lush. God had planted it. The Word of God says right there at the first couple of chapters that God used His own hands and He planted. He called out the sun and the stars and the moon and all that, but it says He literally planted a garden in the east in Eden. And if you look at the language, the original language, it actually means, John, you'll appreciate this, God got his hands dirty. He went in there and he planted it because he knew this is where he wanted his kids to be. And he provided everything. It was lush. It was, it was a blessing. There was food and fruit and there were animals and all that they would need was right there. And then God says, now come on, I want you, the very first couple, I want you to come and I want you to live here and I want you to co-rule with me. I want you to co-reign with me. This is a place where we will reign together. It's my blessing to you 
It's my grace to you. I've provided everything you need right here. But I want you now to stretch out your arms and your legs. I want you to take authority and I want you to reign. This is your place and we're going to walk here together. What a, what a beautiful picture, isn't it? And then all of a sudden the enemy comes, the devil in the form of a serpent. And he says this to them. He says, essentially, if you take something that God has forbidden you to take, things are going to get better for you. Because God had said, in the midst of this garden, I planted a tree. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's right in the middle. And with all of this blessing that I've given you, all of everything that I've provided for you, a little bit of obedience is going to be good for your heart. So I put this tree right in the middle. Just leave it alone. Don't even look at it. Just forget it. But enjoy everything else I've given you. And the devil comes along and he says, now listen, if you eat of this fruit, it's like a, a miracle fruit. Eat of the fruit, one little bite, and before you know it, you'll be, and he used these words, like God. You're going to be like God. Meaning you won't have to depend upon God anymore. You'll be totally self-sufficient. Because if you're totally like God, you won't need God. You will be God. You can supply for yourself. Whatever you need, you give to yourself. You can actually cut God out of the picture completely. And we know what happens in the story, right? So... Eve takes the fruit, takes a bite, gives it to her husband. He takes a bite. The miracle fruit was not a miracle fruit. And the Bible says very clearly that because they did that, that sin opened the door to death. And as we just read in this precious verse, death began to reign. So sin opened the door to death. Not only that, not only was death reigning, but other things began to reign as well. Destruction, unwholeness, brokenness, loneliness, lies. All of a sudden, every dark, evil thing that God had never, ever intended for these people to experience began to take control and began to reign right there in that beautiful place of grace and provision that God had given. And it was looking really, really, really bleak. But they thought they had this miracle fruit. If they can just eat this thing that God had actually put, God put it there. Why couldn't they have that? How bad could it be if God made it, if God created it? Why, why couldn't they take a bite? They thought it was a miracle fruit. If they had a bite of it, they won't have to depend upon God anymore. They'll be self-sufficient. I want to ask you this this morning. How many times do we pray for things? And we want things from God. We're asking God for some help. God, deliver me from this. God, help me for that. God, provide for me here. God, give me this there. And really the intent of our heart is, God, if you would just do this for me, I really won't need you as much. I won't have to come back to you over and over again. I just wonder how many things we're struggling through in life is really a blessing that God put there, Karen, because he's allowing it to be there because it keeps causing us to come back to him over and over and over again, which is really what God had wanted in the co-reigning of Adam and Eve in the garden. How many times are we praying those kind of prayers? And I want to say this this morning. God will never answer a prayer that will allow us to depend upon Him less. It's just not going to happen. God is a God who answers prayer. Amen? Can you give me an amen on that? He does. But in all of His answers, none of it is meant for us to depend upon Him less. It's meant for us to be drawn to Him and depend upon Him more. How many times do we look for the miracle fruit in our lives, the thing that's going to be like, okay, now I've got it easy. I can pray less. I don't need God as much. I remember I went after a miracle fruit once. I remember before I was a pastor, I was preaching at Living Word, and um, preaching was hard for me. I mean, not only did I do tons and tons of study, I mean, I was on my knees. I was like, oh God, I need you. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to bring. Let a tornado come, wipe it all out. I just, I, I can't do this. There was a real sense of desperation in me. And so I had this novice thought that, hey, why don't I just go to school? Why don't I go to grad school? Why don't I go to seminary, increase my knowledge, and then it'll be easier for me. So I actually did that, and I prayed about it, and I felt like a leading from the Lord that going to seminary would be good for me for the direction that God was giving me, right? And so I went. It took me seven years because at the point when I started my first semester of grad school, I met my wife and married her. And then we had kids and I planted a church. So I was busy. So I couldn't do school full time. But 
We were, we were traveling on that road, and after seven years, I graduated. And can I just tell you this? I need God more now than ever. Going to seminary did not make anything easier for me. I mean, it was good to have equipping, but it, it brought me to this one place where I need God just as much now as I did then, and probably even more so. There is no miracle fruit that will help us need God less. We need to need God more. And every blessing that God gives to you is meant to draw you to Him, to help you to see how good He is and how powerful He is, and that we need to come to Him over and over and over again. You with me this morning? Amen. Amen. So there's a lot in this verse that I'd like to unpack, but because of time, I want to focus on something that's already been mentioned, Adam. started preaching my message already. I want to talk about the greatness of God's grace. When we talk about, do you know what God has given you in this great salvation? I'm going to start this morning with grace, and we're going to just skim the surface a little bit. And so, if you read a lot, particularly theology, you'll find that there's a lot of different categories for grace. There's something called common grace. It's grace that God gives everybody, whether they acknowledge Him, whether they know Him, whether they love Him. Jesus says this in Matthew, that God causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So you know that person that drives you up a wall and really bugs you and you want to get out of your life? God's given that person a whole lot of grace right now, just like He is you and me. He gives grace. That's common grace. It's grace. I mean, for everybody, whether they love Him or not, Just the fact that our bodies stay together and all the molecules in our existence isn't flying in all kinds of directions, that's the grace of God. The fact that, you know, our planet hasn't been wiped out by some meteor that everybody says is going to happen someday, it's the grace of God, you know. It's God giving grace to everyone and everything. Then there's something beautiful called saving grace, right? So when someone wants to come to Christ, they feel the pull of the Holy Spirit on their hearts and they want to give their lives to Him, that's the saving grace, of God. The Bible says that it's grace through grace that we're saved. By grace and through faith. So in some ways it's God's hand of uh, grace reaching down to us and it's our hand of faith reaching up to Him. But it starts with His hand coming down first. It's His hand of grace. So that's called saving grace. Now there's one more grace that I want to get to. Here's where I'm going to focus. And it's called this. Let's put it up please. This is called the believer's grace. This is the freely given unmerited favor that God generously gives to his children. Does that sound good this morning? Anybody want a little bit of that this morning? Come on. It's the good grace. It's the grace for us, for his kids. Freely given. It's freely given. That means we don't have to earn it. It comes to us free of charge. Now listen, just because it's free to us, it doesn't mean it costs anything. It doesn't cost anything. Jesus paid with his life for us to have that grace. It's freely given. It's also unmerited favor, meaning we can't earn it. We can't earn it. That means we can't maintain it. That means we can't lose it. That means it's for us. That means it's given to us. It can never be taken away. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. It comes with our salvation. Did you know that this came with, that this is something that God has for you? Freely given, unmerited favor. He wants to fill your life Fill it to overflowing. There's a scripture in the New Testament I love that says that we have been redeemed from the empty way of life. Why? Because we have been given this free, unmerited favor that God wants our lives overflowing with. Favor. To understand this, maybe you have to have kids or grandkids, right? I mean, I've got a couple of little precious kids that I love and they drive me up a wall, but I love them anyways. And there is nothing that I'd hold back from them. And I'll love anybody else's kid as well. I mean, that's not an issue. I'll be good to anyone's child. But there's something that I hold in my heart for my own kids. I mean, it is like a tsunami that nobody can stop. It's a love. It's a favor. I will give everything that I have for them. Some of you are raising your heads and nodding up and down. You know what I'm talking about. This is how God feels toward you and me. This favor, this grace, it's not just a thing that God gives us when you need it. What it really is, it's the inclination of his heart toward us. The Bible describes it this way. It's, it's a leaning into us. It's a, it's a heart condition that he has for us. It's the sense of love. It's, it's something that he has deep inside of himself toward us. It's a tsunami. It's an unstoppable wave. It's a, 
It's a grace, it's a favor, it's a love, it's, it's something that he has for us that nothing will ever change. It's a leaning in. That means whoever you are, whatever you're doing, I don't care whether you like your life or not. I don't care if you think you sin too much. It doesn't matter. That favor, that leaning in of God's heart, it's there for you. It's available for you. And he wants you to receive it, but he, he requires that you know about it and you know how to go after him for it as well. We're going to talk about that just a little bit here in a moment. It's the leaning in of his heart. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 16. I love this verse. It says this. It says, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. And so here in this first chapter, John is talking about Jesus and saying how he's full of grace and truth. And he, he comes out with this statement that out of his, Jesus' fullness, everybody say fullness. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace that has already been given to us. Meaning, when we come to him and we receive grace, that's not the end. Because he knows that as we receive grace today, we're going to need more tomorrow. So even though there was grace there, there's going to be more grace coming right behind. Grace is available on a constant basis. It's out of his fullness, the Bible says, that we receive. It's out of his own personal fullness. Colossians 1.19 says this, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. The him is Jesus. God was pleased. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, precious Godhead. Nothing above them, that is it, there at the very top. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God was pleased to take all of the fullness of the Godhead and put it into the incarnate Son here on earth. That means all of the love of the Godhead into Jesus in His physical human body. All of the love. All of the power went into him of the Godhead. All of the grace, all of the mercy, everything, all the provision, everything that exists within Father, Son, Holy Spirit was poured into the Son in his incarnate form and he was filled with the fullness of God. God was pleased. And I want to submit something to you this morning. Listen to me. I want to submit this to you. God was pleased to put all of his fullness into his Son, not just for the Son's sake but for our sake as well. Because God knew that for us to come and to live the life that He wanted for us to reign and co-reign with Him, we would not only have to come to the Son for salvation, but we'd have to come to Him over and over and over again so that we can receive His love and His power, so that we can receive His grace and His mercy. He's filled. God filled Himself into His Son so that we can come to the Son and out of His fullness we would live. Day after day, moment after moment, hour after hour. Filled out of His fullness. He's an overflowing fountain. Isn't that wonderful? God did it. God was pleased. When you know that Jesus is the source of all grace, you can let all your fear go. You can let all your worry go. You can let all your doubt and unbelief go. Because if you really believe that Jesus is everything that you need and that He is overflowing with grace, you can stop looking to other people for validation and approval. You hear me this morning? You tracking with me? This was God's plan all along, not just to send Jesus to die for our sin, although that is the gospel, but that he would also carry the fullness of the Godhead. He would be the never-ending well of grace and life that we can come to over and over and over and drink and drink and drink from him and receive and receive and receive so that what God had intended for that first couple in the garden now becomes a reality for you and me. It's all provided it's all here. He is the source of all things. Everybody say, He is the source. He is the source, he is the source of all things. You know, there's biblical examples of this, this kind of overflowing grace in the Bible. Remember when the Israelites were in the desert, they were on their way to their promised land. 
and they were hungry, and they were complaining. So God said, okay, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to cause bread to be available to you and here for you every single morning. And they called it manna because the word manna means what is it? They didn't know what it was. It was just there. It was available. And it appeared on the ground. What is it? It's manna. That's what it is. And God said, now listen, don't collect any extra. Only collect what you need for the day because once I provide for you today, guess what? There's going to be more for you tomorrow and more for you the day after that, more for you the day after that. And so you're going to learn to live by my bread, by my grace, and you just need enough for today because after today there's going to be more tomorrow. You can keep coming back over and over and over again. And I think he was teaching them something about his fullness, the fullness that was going to be poured into Jesus in his incarnate life. You can keep coming back to him over and over again. The only time he said don't collect anything at all was the day before the Sabbath where you can go and collect a little bit for the Sabbath so that you can focus on your worship of God on the Sabbath and not have to go out and collect bread. And I just kind of love that principle. How about this? If we save a little something on the day before our Sabbath so we can come here with full strength and worship God with all we've got. Does that make sense? That's a good thing. I love that principle. I teach my church the same thing as well. How about Jesus? Right, let's shift to the New Testament. He's teaching a large crowd. The Bible says about 5,000 men. If you add women and children, probably pushing 15, 20,000. He has nothing to feed them. And the disciples say, well, all we have here is a little boy's lunch. And Jesus said, that's enough. Just give me the little, and we'll see what God will do. So what's the Bible say? He took the lunch, right? He held it, a few loaves, a few fish. And then what happens? Jesus looks up into the sky, and he starts to cry, and he starts to scream, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these people. They're hungry. No, they're not hungry. They're hangry, and I have to feed them. God, what am I going to do? We're running out of food. What'd you do? No. That's not how it's written. It says he just took the loaves and the fish and he gave a little bit of thanks. And that was it. And it started multiplying. If you want to release the powerful grace of God in your life, give a little thanks for the little bit that you do have instead of complaining about the stuff you don't have. Give a little thanks for the little bit you do have instead of complaining about everything you don't have that thankfulness, and this is how Jesus operated, it opens up the wells of grace from heaven, and it begins to flow. Some would say it's a miracle. I think it's just a miracle of grace. It was really a physical example of how grace is meant to flow in our lives. And so they began to just pass the food out, and it kept going for every person until there was way too much left over. I like to think of Jesus that way. There's so much grace in him that there's a lot that's going to be left over no matter how many times I come to him over and over again. Everybody say grace. grace. Say there's enough for me. So grace is meant to be overflowing in our lives. The Bible says there's an abundant provision of grace. It also talks about in Romans 5.17, our first verse, about righteousness and uh, we don't have enough time to really open up righteousness today. But the basic definition is this, to be without accusation, free from guilt, and considered blameless. Isn't that a beautiful thing? When you receive Jesus into your heart and life, He says that you are without accusation, free from guilt, and you're considered blameless. That's something even our own uh, system here law and order system can't provide for us. Because even somebody who's found guilty and goes to jail for their crime, once they're out, they're still guilty. They're not blameless. They carry that record with them forever. But hallelujah, because of what Jesus did, He gives us His righteousness, and we are blameless. It's like it never happened. We're totally free. Totally free. So because of these two things that God gives us, the abundant provision of His grace and His gift of righteousness, we are meant to reign in life, and these things are meant to work together to reveal the fullness of God's blessing in our lives. His grace and His righteousness, they're meant to work together. Righteousness is really a one-time gift that we receive at the point when we receive Jesus. It's a one-time gift that we receive upon the salvation that God gives us, but we live in it all of our lives, right? Yes. Grace is something that continuously flows in our lives. So it's kind of like this. What if I were to tell you, um, listen, 
I want to buy you a million dollar home and I'm going to put it in an upscale neighborhood and I'm going to give it free to you. What would you say? It's a good response. Here's a woman of faith right here. I'll take it. You need to jump onto her faith, okay? This is a good thing. Of course you would. But then you might think a little and might say, well, Todd, thank you for the amazing, generous offer, but the taxes in this upscale neighborhood is $30,000 a year. That's not probably too far from the truth for some of us. And I can't afford the taxes. And I would say, well, okay, well, come to me and I'll, I'll help you with that. Well, there's a big yard and I need to get the grass cut and the, everything taken care of in the yard. Okay, come to me and I'll, I'll help you with that as well. But Todd, there's other things going on as, as well. I, I need help with my marriage. Um, it's, it's not good for me just to live in a big house in a nice neighborhood when my marriage is falling apart. Well, come to me for that as well. I'm available to help you with that. Well, what about my kids? I'm not really doing a good job, and I've got a son with issues, and I've got a daughter with this physical issue, and, and oh, come to me. Well, just come to me. Come to you for everything? Yes, come to me for everything. It's really a picture of what God has given us, and it's not all about material possessions, but it's just a picture. Righteousness is something that we receive one time in our lives, but we live in it. It, it elevates our status. It brings us into the heavenly realms where Ephesians 2 says that we are seated with Christ right there. It lifts us up. That's what righteousness is. But then there's meant to be this overflow of grace that keeps coming and coming and coming. And whatever we need, it's there. God wants us to draw on Him. That thing in your life right now that you don't like so much, that is meant to provoke you to draw upon the grace of God to come to Him over and over and over again. To say, God, I don't like this, but I love your grace even more. Let me have grace because of this. And you come and you drink from his well of grace. And you find the strength. You find the wisdom. You find the provision, whatever it is that you need. And you begin to reign in life through Christ. I want to throw up one more scripture here. I love this. 1 Corinthians 15.10. This is what Paul says about grace. He says, but by the grace of God... I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, here's what he says, but the grace of God that was with me. He says, here's the story of my life. My life is being actually shaped by the grace of God. God's grace is in my life, and it's honing me, and it's shaping me, and it's building me into who I am as an apostle. And he makes this very provocative statement, and he's talking about all the other apostles that he works with. He says this, I worked harder than all of them. Have you ever known anybody who's like, I'm working harder than you and everybody else. I'm better. I do this. I do that. So Paul is taking this position. He says, now look, I'm working harder than all of them, but it's not me. It's the grace of God at work in me, and I'm not ashamed to say it. So not only does grace provide for us what we need, grace also enables us to go into the destiny that God has called over our lives. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your calling is. Let's be face it. God gives us several callings in life. It's not just one. But whatever it is that you need, whatever you're struggling with, I don't care if you're a single mom, if you're a married mom, if you're a stay-at-home mom, I don't care if you're a stay-at-home dad, if you've got work, if you're out of work, it doesn't matter. The grace of God is meant to shape you and to propel you into that thing that God has called you to be and to do it with excellence and frankly, to do it better than anybody else. That was Paul's testimony. What is it that God has called you to do? What is it? What's that special thing that you've been shaped for? What is it that, that thing that God has given you that nobody else can do, but yet you need His grace to run for Him and to see it through? That's where you need the grace of God in your life. You need to come to the One who is the abundance, the One who is filled with the fullness of God. You come to Him, you receive. Not only is it for your provision and blessing, but it's meant to propel you forward into the grace and destiny of God in your life. You need to know that you're a minister of the gospel. How many people would agree with me that you are a minister of the gospel? If you're just waiting for this guy to raise his hand, it's wrong. 
It's wrong. Every single one of us is called, and God has grace for you. Out of His fullness, He wants to fill you with the grace to move forward into what He's called you to be and to do. But you've got to receive it first. You've got to receive it first. I've put this little list together. It's five signs that you are not living by the grace of God. Five signs that you're not living by the grace of God. My prayer is the Holy Spirit will convict you where it's needed right now. Let's go ahead and put up number one. You tend to panic when something goes wrong. Oh no, I've got this bad thing happening in my life. It's causing me a lot of pain. I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. You know what to do. You go to the one who's full of grace and truth because he's got it for you. Whatever it is, he's greater, he's bigger. We don't panic. Number two, you try to solve problems before you pray about them. Come on, be honest. How many of you fall in this category? Just be honest. Of course, we all do this. I'm a problem solver. It drives my wife up a wall, my poor wife. Something happens, she wants to talk it through and get emotional and everything. I'm like, no, plan, execute plan, plan, execute plan. Let's pause. Let's pray. Let's dive deep into God's grace. Let's receive from Him what we need. Number three, you have a poverty mindset. I would define a poverty mindset this way. You don't have a lot, so therefore you can't do a lot. That, my friends, is a poverty mindset. You have to know that you can do absolutely anything that God puts in front of you. If it's His will for you to do it, don't look at anything else. Just know that He has the fullness of grace that you need to get it done. You have to take care of a poverty mindset because it's not a biblical mindset. Number four, you have replaced obedience with excuses. Most of the time, when God calls us to do something, it's going to be far bigger and far more challenging than what we would ever give ourselves. Most of the time, He's going to give us something that will thrust us right into this place of need. We've got to say, Lord, it's only by Your grace that this is going to happen. You've probably heard those testimonies before. It's true. We cannot just come up with excuses. We have to be able to say, God, whatever it is You've put in front of me, Your grace will get me through it. See, the kids are cheering me on. They're hearing this. Number five. There are no fresh testimonies of what God is doing in your life. If we were meant to receive the grace of God continually, if we were meant to drink from His deep well, then God will always be moving in our lives. Amen? We're always going to have testimonies of what God is doing. It could be the smallest thing, but those smallest things are so important because they point right back to God. Look what God did. Look what His grace accomplished for me whether it's small, whether it's big, if we're drinking from the well of the Lord's grace, then there is always going to be things happening. We're going to be coming up here every Sunday. I've got a testimony. You're going to tell your friends at coffee or whatever. I've got to tell you what God's doing. God's moving in my life. Why? Because I'm drinking from the well. I'm going after His grace. I find Him to be the fountain that never runs dry. There's an overflow. I'm living in it. It's an abundant provision of grace. Do you want to drink from the well this morning? Can you use some grace this morning? God's got that grace for you. I'm going to invite my wife to come on up. She actually has a testimony or two that she wants to give. Everybody, this is my better half, Susan Casenza. Um, Good morning, everybody. It's um, really good to be here with you all. Um, I just have two quick little stories of, um, they're just little testimonies of God's grace. And um, they both involve my kids. So um, the first is, um, a few weeks ago, Todd and I were going to take the kids to the zoo. And as many of you parents know, when you go to the zoo, you have this great picture in your mind of all the animals will be roaming and, you know, act, and it's never that way, right? Like they lay there in their little den or they lay there in their little thing. And you're like, oh, look, they're sleeping. Let's go see the next animal who's also sleeping. Um, that's how it is with us usually. Well, 
Um, our daughter is six years old, and the morning we were going to go to the zoo, I was in the kitchen with her, and we were sitting there, and I, it wasn't like a deep, profound moment, but I just said, Camille, what is it that you're looking forward to seeing at the zoo today? And she said, I really want to see the lion up and walking around. Like, I just want to see the lion active and moving, and I'm thinking, well, dear, that's not going to happen, because the lion sleeps all day. Um... And the last time we were there, we were in the monkey house, and there was this giant gorilla who also was sleeping the whole time. And she said, I want to see that gorilla awake and moving around. And so I said, well, let's just ask God, because, you know, God wants to hear your prayer. He answers our prayers. I said, let's just ask God. And so we prayed, and I said, Lord, I just pray that, you know, those two animals in particular would be up and active when we're there. So anyway, we get to the zoo, and um, we decided to go see the lions. And sure enough, we walk up to the big window there, and they're sleeping. There's two lions in there, and they're both sleeping. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, this is going to be one of those conversations where, well, you know, sometimes. And I'm thinking, well, and in my heart, I was really like, Lord, I'm trying to teach my daughter here that you're good and that you hear her prayers and you care about what she cares about. And so we walk around from, there's like a, a big glass window, but then you can go around to where it's open and it's kind of fenced off there. And so as we walk around, I am not kidding you, we stood at the fence and we, were, we had a better view this time. That lion woke up, he woke up, he stretched he didn't roar or, like, go kill anything, but <laughs> he did. He woke up, he stood there, he stretched, and he walked over, and he found a place in the shade, and he fell back asleep. And I was almost in tears, like, Lord, you woke up that lion for my daughter because you care about her little prayer. Like, I want to see the lion active. And the same thing, the monkeys were crazy. The gorillas were, I mean, everything she prayed for was exactly answered. And God cares about what matters to your kids. And this thing of, you know, do you have a fresh testimony of God's grace in your life? Um, you know, he wants us to ask about specific things that matter to us and that matter to the people we love. Um, oh, and then um, I recently, I was working and I recently had, um, I kind of lost part of the income that I had. So we're a little bit trying to watch the budget, a little bit tighter, and all of these things. Well, summer's coming, and we needed shoes for my son, and um, he's eight and a half, and so he needs, I, I don't like my kids to run around in flip-flops, so I like those sandals that are kind of like tennis shoes. Well, I, we had five minutes before an appointment, and I run into this, uh, this store in Crown Point, it's Once Upon a Child, and I often find shoes there for my kids, and I said, guys, let's just pray that God will provide shoes for Colin real quick. So we walk in, I open, I literally had five minutes. I walk into the thing, I open up the bin, and sitting right there on top is a brand new pair of shoes, exactly his size, never been worn before, and there were 250. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, I almost just laughed it off. Um, but it opens up conversations, you know? It opened up a conversation with my kids like, hey, God knows our need, and it's not that we have a poverty mindset, oh, we can't afford anything, so you're going to have to live in flip-flops this summer. No, I believe God's going to provide great things because he's a great father, right? And so it's just a little testimony that God's going to go above and beyond what you ask for. Amen. Amen. Something small that was so meaningful to Susan and, and my daughter. God is in the details of your life. We just need to open up to him and we'll see his grace just fold into all the cracks and crevices like we were talking this morning. God's in the big things and he's in the little things as well. I'm going to share one more scripture with us, but I want to do it in the context of our time of communion together. So if I could ask the worship team to come on up, that'd be great. We're going to go ahead and have communion right now. Why don't we all stand? Okay. I'm going to ask the 
the ushers to go ahead and begin to pass the elements around right now. That'd be fantastic. So here's my last verse for us this morning. Hebrews 4.16. We can go ahead and put that up. Here's what it says. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It says very clearly here that God's throne is a throne of grace. His very throne is made out of grace. It says in the Psalms that the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. But the throne itself is a throne of grace. And it says that we should come with confidence. Here's the sticky part. Here's where we tend to miss it. Here is where we tend to not walk in the fullness of the grace that God has for us. We don't come with confidence. We act like God is holding back a little bit. We're bothering Him. He doesn't want to give grace. Like Jesus isn't full of grace. He's half full of grace. And He's got to be careful about how much He gives out. So maybe He'll give a little bit to this child, a little bit to that child, and maybe that child goes without. Not true. The Bible says to come before Him with confidence. Everybody say confidence. We have to come before Him with confidence. You might say this morning, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but you know what? I've got a lot of baggage in my life. I've done a lot wrong, even recently. I've given myself to some things and I don't feel worthy. I'm struggling. And uh, coming to God to help me is not the thing that's right for me right now. And I, I just want to push back on you a little bit because the Scripture says clearly that we can come not only for grace, but for mercy as well. Mercy as well. So if you find yourself in a place of, of struggle, you need God's grace, but you need His mercy as well. And I want you to come before Him and say, Lord, here's my life. Here's everything I've done. You see it all. I'm just going to lay it all out there anyways. Lord, forgive me. I need mercy and grace today. I need both. The Lord will forgive you. The Bible says He will not only forgive you, but He'll cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. And then you will be set free. He will consider you blameless, like we were talking earlier. God has so much for us. We just have to be willing to come and receive. Receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is your time. This is your day. This is your season. And as I mentioned this morning, if you've not come to the Savior, then I want to introduce you to Him. This cup and this bread is for the believers right now. But today you can receive Him into your heart and life. And His grace can be yours as well. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for the truth of Your Word, which hits us right where we need it. Lord, it goes into our insecurities. It dives deep into our unwholeness. And it begins to work. And it begins to mend. And it begins to cleanse. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You that You have an abundant provision of grace for us. Lord, no matter how deep our need, Your grace is greater. Your grace is able to fill us. No matter how big the hole, fill us to overflowing. And it's out of Your fullness that we receive grace upon grace already given. Thank You for that.